Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Lieber. and wronger and let's be honest there's a whole bunch of things you should be doing other than watching and listening to this podcast right now but be that as it may the damage is done no turning back now just like what mrs steve said i do you have stumbled upon the podcast where me dr steve clearly the lovable laughable and always daff dapper affable i don't know where i was headed with that i am the engine that drives the bus and he he is James the stowaway Breakwell. He is clinging on for dear life. And James, man, how are you doing today? Well, you managed to get in like nine insults in the intro, so I'm doing great yeah. because, as usual, they bounced off my titanium frame, harming me not at all. At this point, there is nothing you can say to damage me, and I look forward to you trying futilely to prove me wrong. <laughs> He's got claws like Wolverine, but in a much more feminine way. And James, two things. That's insult number 10, by the way. Okay. Uh, number two is going to be the topic for today. But number one is I'm glad you finally found a microphone that not only brings your delightful voice to the pod, but also covers like half of your face on the video. It is the best of both worlds. Yes, it really it really brings it all together. For everybody who was not watching us specifically because they could see the bottom of my face, it solves that problem in one <laughs> fell swoop. But also, I think it's how we're used to looking at people. I mean, when you go out in public and you have a mask on, you don't see the bottom half of the face anyway. I mean, the bottom half of the face is so 2019. You know, half covered up Ooh. is the way of the future. All right. Well, you, wow, that's an interesting tie-in you brought there. Speaking of tie-ins, just a real quick aside, we are past exit, not exit. I don't even know where I was headed with that one, although we really are overdue for exiting. We yes. missed our exit from this show long ago, James. But episode, last week was episode 200, man. Can you believe that? I, I can, especially the part where neither of us was keeping track and we acknowledged it in no <laughs> way whatsoever. That was very appropriate in keeping with our theme. <laughs> Do you believe there is any human being alive who has listened to and or watched all 200 episodes? You know, I know you and I haven't listened. Well, actually, do you still listen to the episodes or not? I, I'm guessing you've given oh, up on God. that. I've given up on that, mostly when you join the show. But yeah, I yeah. also don't listen to them like I edit them together, but I edit them together by checking at the start and checking at the end to make yeah. sure they're finished. So neither you nor I has heard the whole thing, except yeah. when we record it. I would yeah. guess Judy P. I, I mean, legitimately, we talk about just... having one listener, but I would guess start to finish maybe one person, maybe the interns from back in the day. Uh, but that's it. It's a small, elite, and sad group. I mean, I feel like we should pay them for the emotional trauma we've inflicted <laughs> on them. James, it sounds like in the background your ride is almost here. But yeah, I would be curious if anyone has listened to and or watched all 200 episodes. Reach out and tell us who you are because I will bet... I'll bet you're right. I'll bet Judy has, and she may be the only one other than Mr. Judy P, who she kind of drags along with her. But I'm curious to know if there's a second or a third. 
You know, there actually isn't anyone for all of them because we do have our infamous Lost episode, which you and I heard live, and that was it. <laughs> well, I mean of the 200 that are available for the paying public. Oh, yeah, he just had to make it easy, had to lower the bar for entry. <laughs> I want some uh, well, some somebody who's a specialist in computers to go through and digitally recover that Lost sound and... And get that forever. I'm going to say that was our only perfect episode, the one that nobody can hear. No, no criticism of it will ever be valid. It will forever exist in pristine, unblemished condition, unheard by the ears of commoners or the elite. You know, the uh, I'm the voice of the arena football team in Nashville. Two seasons ago was our first, our inaugural season, and we played one game before COVID hit, and we beat the reigning champion. So we were 1-0, and and we might be, and our team is touting this now to recruits, the only undefeated in the history of professional sports, the only undefeated team. We have wow. never lost a game. That is that is impressive, and I admire the, the chutzpah of the marketing campaign. I don't know what they're doing <laughs> hooking up with you because they clearly have some clever people behind that, and they could do better. They could do much better than you. Well, I just kind of show up. I'm like Costanza. I just work on the Penske file over and over <laughs> again. And once in a while, they look at me and say, who are you again? And I just say, so-and-so sent me over here. And that's the end of that. But James, that's not why we've gathered here today. Today, we have a topic. And let me, let me just, I've written down the James Breakwell quote. I write down a lot of Breakwell quotes, mostly because <laughs> I want to like uh, re-gift his insults back to him at some point. But he actually said a compliment. Now, the list of James Breakwell insults is like the Encyclopedia Britannica on my bookshelf. And the list of James Breakwell compliments, I had written on the back of a matchbook cover, but now I've actually expanded to a second one. You said, and I quote, that is a really good idea to me today. Oh, okay, so let me, let me take the joy out of your life here. So first of what? all... I said it was a really good idea because it's my idea. You just went and stole it straight from the newsletter. Ah, so, of course, wait, there's no evidence of that. Anybody parroting back my own ideas to me <laughs> is by default going to have a great idea. So, in selecting the right brilliant source to steal from, I will give you props to that. You stole from the best. So, good for you. I never named my source. I said I read this in a column. I didn't say who wrote it. There, again, if you can hear the, the fire trucks uh, yeah. in the background, so, which I'm surprised by because this dynamic mic was supposed to tune out everything. But uh, there's, <laughs> there's a nearby restaurant, and evidently the entire fire department decided to eat there today. And I guess oh. in the middle of that lunch... There was a fire. So all of the fire trucks that are ringing my block have just taken off. And uh, oh. surely it's not because we're recording our podcast. I mean, if you were a little more sensitive and paranoid than me, you might think they heard my voice and took off or miraculously heard your voice. But no, I'm going to assume that some, some upstanding individual started yet another fire and our finest are off fighting it. I thought there was a parade held in the honor of us beginning beginning our second set of 200 episodes. I mean, we deserve a parade. I, I don't know why there hasn't been a parade yet, other than the fact that literally <laughs> no one is aware of that accomplishment except for us. <laughs> and not even until 15 minutes ago were we aware of it. 
All right, but I didn't name the columnist. I just mentioned it was something that I read and let it go at that. And you arrogantly thought it was about you. James, this is endemic of the entire relationship you and I have had. All things are about me, and we can just leave it at that. I mean, come on. Well, what shall our topic, which I brilliantly came up with this week, be this okay, week? So the brilliant topic you came up with, with no input for me whatsoever, was birthday Thank parties you. then and now. What are birthday parties like today versus like when I was a kid, you know, 30 years ago, or when you were a kid about 600 years ago? We'll, we'll compare the three <laughs> eras and see how they stack up. I am curious to know how yours went because you're sort of on the cusp of when we're, we're all about children and children are our future and we live for the lives of our children. I'm from the era where kids were something people had and then forgot about. So <laughs> I'm curious to know how yours went, but I believe, and if I'm not mistaken, James, didn't your kids just have a birthday party too? Yes, yes, I'm sure you were completely unaware of that fact. But three, I was unaware of that fact. In a yeah. miracle of precise family planning, my <laughs> first two kids are two years and a day apart, and the third kid is two years and two weeks after that. So they're very close together. Then the fourth kid is just on the other half of the year because we, we don't really know what happened there. But so we combine the, the first three kids into one big birthday party every year and we invite over family from both sides. And it's our one big cookout of the year. It's our one time where we invite people to see how we live our lives. And then in the lead up to that, we spend a full week cleaning the house so they don't actually see how we live our lives. Because if they did, they would run away in horror and probably call CPS. So we, we throw so much into this grand delusion, but it kind of gives us a deadline for all of our projects. It gives us one time a year that our house actually looks presentable. It's like, it's a big thing. It is a milestone in our lives. And it knocks out three birthday parties all at once. So we don't have to clean the house three times. We just have to clean it once. Now, when I was a kid, I had my own birthday because I'm amazing, but we did not have anything of that scale. But before I get into that, I would like to yep. hear what they were doing for you as you crawled out of the cave. Like, what was what was it like back yep. in the Neolithic era to have a birthday? Well, like your children, uh, I didn't have a bro I have all brothers. I didn't have a brother who was close to me, but I have two cousins who are within two days of me. So my birthday was always shared with two cousins. And uh, I don't think my parents ever had a solo birthday party for me, like ever. I do remember when I was 12, my mom took me and a bunch of my friends to uh, the movies and we saw one of the Sinbad movies, like Sinbad of the Seven Seas or something. And I remember Orca was playing right after that. This is 79, maybe it was my 13th birthday if it was 1980, whenever Orca came out and we all wanted to sneak over into Orca. And as we were sneaking from one theater to the next, my mom happened to be standing in the lobby of the theater and dragged us all out of there and took us home. But otherwise, all of my birthday memories are at my aunt's house because she would be the epicenter of the family and everyone would come and celebrate me and the two cut Jackie and Tim's birthdays all at once. So I never was really singled out as being special, James. And that's that's for the best. I mean, they set the precedent early. Your family knew to be disappointed in you. I've, I've never been so <laughs> impressed by someone's astute judgment before. But on that story, I have a question. So your mom took you guys to the movies, but then did not yeah. want to see the movie herself. She just like sat in the lobby for two hours. 
No, well, I, she probably went shopping or something. She wanted to make us feel like we were grown-ups. Like, we were 12, man. Ooh, you understand? Big deal. And I think kids were a little more independent back then in general. Like, my parents literally did not know and did not care where I was all day, every day of summer vacation. I think if I left, like, our subdivision, I'd have to let them know I was leaving. And I don't know if they even took note of what I said, but... I don't think they ever worried about it because I kept coming back and maybe that was actually more of a downside to them. But no, I think she probably dropped us off and went shopping and then sort of timed out after an hour and a half movie, what time will these screwballs be ready to go in the lobby? And there she was. It's uh, So I'm guessing you never then had the experience of the classmate birthday party where they you used to give out invitations oh, no. and and non-family no, no, members no. come over i mean i assume you didn't have friends so there's probably nobody to invite but i'll go ahead just for the sake of formality and confirm were there ever friends birthday parties or not where i would be invited no where you you would invite them to your birthday party or was it just oh your family? god no it was always family god the classmate birthday I don't even know if my daughter had those first. Like, I remember the first one of those where I thought, why? my? We don't even like all these people. Why is it necessary to invite everyone in your, like, first grade class or second grade class? That seemed crazy to me. But we have had, we've hosted those types of parties. And I'm sure my kids have gone to them where we did a dump and run. Like, I was, oh, that's not true. God, you're bringing back all this trauma. Well, <laughs> my daughter's 24 now. She just had a birthday herself. And we didn't have a big party for her. In fact, uh, she barely even picked up the phone when I called, other than to say thank you for the money I sent. But, like, uh, I remember, and she's a girl, which makes it worse, because I would <laughs> always be the parent tapped to take her to these birthday parties where I didn't know any of the parents, and they were all moms looking at me like I was on a registry somewhere, and we would have all these, like, seven-year-old girls running around, and it was torture, James. Torture, I tell you. Although I will say, I did a perfect impression of like a uh, like an English princess at one, and all of her friends were immediately taken by me. But other than that, like we've had hockey birthdays and uh, like uh, Glow Galaxy birthdays, and I remember distinctly when my daughter was three, we had a uh, like a Jimboree birthday. But these things are all expensive and sort of catered by the places, and I thought, where was this stuff when I was a kid? I don't know what you had going on, James. I'm actually kind of curious. Well, the people who, who get it catered are brilliant. The ones who have the party outside the house at, like, a neutral ground. You don't have to clean, like, a skating rink. I mean, yeah, it costs you money up yeah. front, but it saves you weeks of frustration and effort. If, if I could go back in time and set a precedent, we would have just always had that party outside the house. But now we've <laughs> created it to such an event in our lives and such a deadline for us to get things done that it's never going to change. But growing up, I did have one friends-only birthday party. So I'm the oldest mm -hmm. kid in my family, the oldest of 95 children, as you like to point out. Yeah. And uh, the, my parents worked out all their mistakes on me. So one time when I was probably five or six or seven, somewhere in that age range, we invited over my friends from school. And I'll put friends in quotation marks. I'm pretty sure I had like one friend, which I'm sure is one more than you expected and probably one more than I deserved. Uh, <laughs> I but, feel like I'm your only friend now, which it's a burden. Whoo, believe me. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, but we didn't invite like so we, we lived in married student housing in the apartments at that time. My dad had gone back to college 
and uh, there were kids all over the place there, but these were the kids from school. And uh, there's a picture from that event, and at the event, I'm sitting at the table, uh, ready to blow out uh, candles on a cake. I think it's decorated with pigs because my interests have not matured at all in the last 30 years. And uh, looking through the window is the little boy from next door who wasn't invited, you know, from an age before they know social boundaries. So he is sitting there literally with his hands cupped against the glass as he looks in on all of us ready to enjoy this cake. And now and so smash cut to James walking over and just drawing the shade very slowly. (laughs) And then, so my parents did that. I'm, I'm going to guess it was kindergarten or first grade. But then they didn't expect to have you know, the 95 children. So then they realized with each subsequent child, they had to have at least one birthday party where they invited over classmates. So once they realized that what they did for one kid, they had to repeat ad nauseum, they cut that off real quick. We had that one time, and that was it. And growing up, we didn't really do the family member uh, birthday parties because we were the outliers. We were the we were the vagabonds who abandoned Iowa. So we were, depending on how you drove and what vehicle you were driving, somewhere between five and eight hours from the rest of our family. So we all had one birthday party with classmates, and then really no other birthday parties after that it was a one-time event when you were too young to remember it and then it was over and that's probably the way it should be honestly five to eight hours is that whether you were driving a car or an ox cart like how can there be that big of a range well you have to remember so first of all uh, it was from the era before google so it wouldn't automatically tell you the most efficient route (laughs) <laughs> and as we went made it back over time, when we first made that trip, there were six of us in a Chevy Reliant, just a little sedan. And there were constant, you know, and you got to figure, uh, I was in third grade when we moved, so we had three other kids younger than me. And then shortly after that, four kids younger than me, and we had to upgrade to a minivan. But there were just a lot of bathroom breaks, a lot of breaks where my parents had to get out and stretch and try not to kill us, you know, all that. There were just so many stops. And we also didn't, didn't have a computer algorithm that ran our lives that told us the most efficient route. It was just kind of what you guessed, but, you know, based on looking on an atlas. And over time, MapQuest came, and we learned this shortcut and that shortcut. We got big. We got better bladders. We got a minivan with a TV in it to keep us distracted so the risk of homicide was severely (laughs) reduced. And so over time, the the trip uh, definitely came down in duration. But at the start there, those first few times, I think it took us eight hours. It was was like crossing the Oregon Trail with about the same number of survivors. (laughs) Well, at least it wasn't the Donner Party crossing. (laughs) All right, so that explains that. And I was just thinking, not a lot of Chevy Reliance on the road anymore, James. Like, your parents, they reached high when it came to grabbing a new vehicle. Those, uh, you know what? I I said Chevy (laughs) Reliant. I think it was actually a Plymouth Reliant. And I don't understand the relationship between all of the all of the cars. Is was Plymouth owned by Chevy? I think it no longer exists in any form now, right? Uh, I believe that is correct. And that was I'm not a car guy, that, but that was the, the name Reliant is somewhat ironic here. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? It actually lasted us a really long time. So even after we upgraded to a minivan, we kept that Reliant. My dad drove it on his own and then my mom drove the rest of us in the minivan. Uh that Reliant made it from the trip to Iowa when I was in third grade 
all the way up till I was learning to drive in high school. And you might not, oh, I, this is going to shock you, Steve, and I can be a bit obsessive yeah. about some things. And we had yeah. this really hardcore drill instructor style driver's ed teacher at the school. And you had to be able to go through these cones forwards and backwards. And so <laughs> I have no you know, conception of space and time. And this is not something that was going to come to me naturally. So I needed to practice. So I took this ancient reliant with the paint peeled off from years in the sun because it's not worth of the garage and I went up there with my dad and I went through these cones forward and backwards over and over and over again until I burned out the power steering and that was the oh, end no. of the Reliant because it was not worth putting literally any money into. I, I killed that thing. It brought us safely across state lines multiple times and it could not survive me and those stupid traffic cones. Wow. I remember my buddy Brad was teaching me how to drive stick shift in a Ford Pinto. <laughs> and uh, same thing, man. I don't know how much longer that Pinto lasted because I was grinding about a pound and a half of gear dust every time I tried to get it started in first gear. The clutch was burning. The gears were burning. Ah, those old cars. Ah, that car's older than you, by the way. His was like an 80 or an 81. So right after I learned to drive, my first car was... Uh... Geo uh, Prism, and or no, I'm sorry, a Geo Geo uh, Metro. It's a it's a little oh, two seat oh, convertible. You actually downgraded. Yeah, and it's okay. So they have the beefier four cylinder version for the manly man, and then they have yeah, the yeah. three cylinder version. The big. Three. I kid you not. This this non hybrid car got like 48 miles to the gallon highway because it just had no weight to it whatsoever but it was stick shift which i didn't know how to drive i barely could drive a regular car and so when <laughs> my dad then took me out to drive that thing and uh i did not figure out the clutch real fast i mean if you I, we've sensed like by my other brothers like later on in life we'd take them out to teach them how to drive stick and we thought it'd be funny and we'd laugh at them and it turns out if you've been driving for any length of time you can learn to drive stick in like two minutes like it's not a big deal but if you can barely drive an automatic and you try to learn <laughs> stick it's pretty it, it's a steep learning curve and i would as i was trying to engage the clutch i kept killing the car it kept jerking yep. back and forth Lurching. violently yep. Yep. and i remember as i was sitting there on this bucking bronco of a car trying to engage the clutch some kid walked by some little kid and goes look mommy it's a bumper car like, oh. <laughs> it was dangerous to be around me when i was learning to drive luckily my my driving record has been utterly immaculate since then and there's definitely nothing in my upcoming book that will contradict that oh obviously not i mean your not. book illustrates how you are the pinnacle of masculinity Frankwell. Yes. Boy, that the Geo Prism and the Subaru Justy were probably the only three or only two three-cylinder cars I can even name. That's awesome. Stick shift cars are interestingly dis extinct now because until probably the last 10 years, the only cars my wife and I ever had were stick shift. I think they're a lot of fun to drive and more interesting than automatics. Now you can't find them. They're more fun to drive, but if you want to be a distracted driver, they're a death sentence. You can't uh, you can't be screwing around <laughs> with GPS on your phone or changing songs or eating and using stick. And also, stick shift is a nightmare if you have to stop going up a hill. And you don't realize how many hills there are in the world right next to stop signs until you have stick shift. And then you realize it's pretty oh, much all of them. You live? 
You let you sit on the porch and watch your dog run away for two days. Like that's where you live. <laughs> it's the, the, the that's the thing. You don't even notice the hills. They're so small. Oh. But it'll be like going out of a grocery store parking lot. It's like, oh, there's a two foot change in ele- ele- elevation here, <laughs> which is not a big deal at all until there's a car an inch and a half behind you, and if you slide backwards at all, you're in a fender bender. Like, oh, that is so much pressure. So yeah, that uh, the the geo uh, the geo metro was a, a harrowing experience, and ultimately my parents sold it when I left for college because if I hit anything bigger than a squirrel, I, I would have died. Like there was just nothing to that vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> well, we gotta run ourselves out of here in a second, but let me just check one thing. Did you get your house painted recently? It was painted about seven or eight years ago. It's it's been a while, and you've I think every time you've been here. The house has been blue. It's been the it's been the color in the picture in the newsletter that you definitely didn't read to steal today's topic from. You just I think every time you come over here, it's dark. So I don't know if you actually looked at the house or were aware of it in any way. Well, you have misinterpreted what I was doing with that question because I know your house is the same color, but it looks bolder in those pictures. Like you have painted. The same color, but it looks freshly painted, and your house looked very good in those pictures. Maybe it was that wall that you got out front now. <laughs> ah, you were you were edging around to the compliment, which I willingly accept. The episode where we talked in great detail about how wonderful my wall was in every way <laughs> is the one that was lost to time, so I will take this, this fill-in compliment in its stead. Well, fill in compliments. Uh, We've both semi-complimented each other in this episode. One I had to bring up and then James deny. And the other I brought up and James accepted. So I don't know how it all works other than Breakwell needs to inflate his own ego because that's the only thing that'll do it. You, dear listener and viewer, inflate your egos by comparing your lives to ours and feeling superior every week. And we hope you keep coming back. So until next week, when we can show you what a train wreck a life of somebody who podcast weekly can be. This is Steve, Dr. Steve Olivas for James the Exploding Unicorn and Almost Exploding Geo Breakwell saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and remember as always, two wrongs can make a right.